Imagine that you are at the crucifixion. You are there among the crowd, and you can see the faces of those around you. Some seem almost jubilant that this man, who deserves this, they feel, is finally getting what comes to him. You can see others who are crushed, women and men and children, wondering why. And you can see the disciples, those who were brave enough or felt they could show up whatever distance. There are some of them there, not just the twelve, but the other female and male disciples. Some are there, some are not. And imagine that you are close enough that you can see Jesus' face. You can see the agony. You can see the sweat. You can see the tears. And you also see two figures. Two figures. Maybe not that far from the cross. One a young man. Our own St. John. The youngest of the apostles. And standing next to him... Mary, Jesus' mother. Here directly from John's Gospel, chapter 19, verses 26 and 27. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. And then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. It is then very fitting that we as a congregation named after St. John, he is our patron, it's very fitting that we have taken Mary into our own home. In this very makeshift worship space, we have an icon of Mary. In our chapel upstairs, we have an icon of Mary. And in our beautiful main church, we have a side chapel, a lady chapel, the Ellsworth Chapel. It's dedicated to her. And there is a statue of Mary there. Most Christians in the world today, and most Christians over the history of the existence of the Christian church, have had a devotion to Mary. But for a large minority of Christians, devotion to Mary rubs against their biblical sensibilities. They have some questions, they have some concerns about devotion to Mary. What is uncontested among Christians is the biblical witness. Mary appears at several key intervals in the story of Jesus and the story of the early church. Think about it for a second, all the time that Mary appears in scriptures. The Annunciation, the angel Gabriel appears and delivers the message. Mary is the first to hear about Jesus and to hear the news that she will give birth to the Savior of the world. And to this, she says, yes. Then there's a very familiar text that we know from Luke chapter 2 that we hear every Christmas. And then there's that interesting incident, a little insight into Jesus' silent years. You remember that? He's about 12. They went to Jerusalem, the big city, for the big religious festival. 
all the relatives, everybody's there, and somehow Mary and Joseph lose track of Jesus. You know, losing the savior of the world, no big deal if you're a parent, right? They assume he's with the other relatives. And they find him in the temple. This 12-year-old kid talking to the religious scholars and the rabbis. Then, Jesus' first public miracle at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And that's his first public miracle. And what does Mary say? She says, do whatever he tells you. And then Mary shows up with his siblings or his cousins. We can get into the interpretation tradition about that. But anyway, one time during his teaching ministry, Mary and his relatives show up because people are saying that Jesus is insane and they need to bring him in and say, come on, get control of your son. He's saying some crazy stuff here. And then Mary is at the cross, as we have already discussed. And Mary is also at Pentecost, the birth of the church. So in all these places, we find this biblical witness and this appearance of Mary. Very early on in the history of the Christian church, almost immediately, we have signs and evidence of this, devotion to Mary appeared. It seemed very natural to the very first Christians and the early Christians that Mary should somehow be a part of Christian faith and practice. Were there controversies about Mary? What do you think? Yes or no? Oh, yeah, there are definite controversies. There are controversies about Jesus, which, by the way, is why there are controversies about Mary. It's another story we could get into. So the early church had to figure out this whole life and teachings and death and resurrection of Jesus. Right, seminary students who are here, and the church debated and prayed and researched, and we got the creeds, we got the foundations of the faith. But never in those early centuries was there any lasting argument that Mary should not be a part of ordinary Christian faith in life and piety. Never. No one ever, that was not a lasting argument. And so for 15 centuries, devotion to Mary, a piety that said that Mary was an important part of Christian life, was uncontested and widely practiced, not just by bishops and theologians, but by ordinary people. But then, something happened. Uh-oh. 1517, the Reformation. There was a sense by many that the church had deviated, that the church had abuses that needed to be addressed, there were problems. The Bible should not be hoarded by priests and scholars. The Bible should be brought to all of God's people. And that raised some questions for some about Mary. And was she taking things away from Jesus? Were people approaching Mary in the way they really should be approaching God? And so at that point, a large minority of Christians started to say, maybe not so much. And devotion to Mary in those traditions kind of petered out. There's a great irony, though. Who was the father of the Protestant Reformation? Martin Luther. Luther himself had an extremely high Marian piety, extremely high view of Mary. You can see it in his writings. But like in so many things with Luther, his followers did not follow the things which he was actually committed to. Yes, by grace, absolutely, and an absolutely needed message, but other aspects, his high view of the Eucharist, his view of Mary, some of those things didn't always translate, at least not in ways that other traditions would recognize. So it's at this point which the division happens. And now you have many Christians who say, well, I don't have anything against Mary. She's Jesus' mom. It would be weird to have something against her. 
I just don't think she's an important part of my faith in so much as her historical relevance. That's largely the deal. Then we have Anglicanism. Anglicanism. If you're Episcopalian, by the way, you're an Anglican. Okay, if you're Church of England, you're Anglican. If you're the Episcopal Church of South Sudan, you're Anglican. If you're the Episcopal Church of Scotland, you're Anglican. Yes, there's this little group of people more recently who call themselves Anglican who are not actually officially a part of the worldwide family of Anglican churches. Episcopalians have always been Anglicans. And to summarize Anglican tradition in sort of a pithy way, we have always said that we are a via media. We are a way between Roman Catholicism and Protestantism. And actually, we strive to take the best of both of these traditions in order to live the Christian faith as fully as possible. So what does this mean? This means that you can find Anglican churches that have statues and icons of Mary. You can find Episcopalians who pray the rosary. There's a devotional society to Mary in the Episcopal Church. And then you can find lots of Anglicans around the world who say, yeah, Jesus' mom, that's nice, but I don't do anything for Mary. It's an area that we say is not essential beyond the biblical witness of Mary. We say, if someone wants to pray the rosary, great. If someone says, nope, we say, that's okay. We are a big church with a big tent and varied practices. Father Roger Greenacre wrote a book called Maiden, Mother, and Queen, Mary in the Anglican Tradition. And I think this Church of England priest, one of ours, an Anglican, I think he summarizes Marian devotion at its best. He addresses one of the big concerns that people have. Quote, Any truly Christian reflection on Mary does not lead us away from her son. On the contrary, it deepens our understanding of the incarnation. We celebrate that at Christmas, right? And strengthens our faith in the God-man Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Mary. So I think whether you're talking about Roman Catholic, Orthodox, Anglican, or Protestant expressions of Christianity, I think they would all say, at its best, Mary leads us more deeply into a relationship with Christ and to God than leads us astray. Though there are certainly dangers that appropriately need to be considered. It also needs to be said that Mary, for many Christians over the century, including to this very present moment, Mary has been a gateway for feminine understandings of faith, for an appreciation of womanhood, for even an understanding of God as mother and God as father, where so often the church has not, until maybe more recently, acknowledged those aspects of Christian faith and life. Mary has been kind of a shining light for many women and men into a feminine understanding of the faith. Now, Mary is not divine. She's not God, but she is the great saint, the first saint and the great saint who God used to birth Jesus into the world. And so she is a gateway for many into the feminine. So as you think about Mary in your own Christian life, your own practice, maybe you're not ready to adopt some of the traditional Marian things like rosaries and icons of Mary. Maybe it's not really for you, or maybe you want to explore that. That's great. But I think there's one fundamental basic biblical witness about Mary that every Christian could agree to and can learn from. Here it is. Just biblically speaking, what did Mary do? She said yes to God, yes to birthing 
Christ into the world. She said yes to God, cooperating with the Spirit, that something would be birthed in her, that then would give blessing to the world. Guess what, folks? That's the pattern of Christian discipleship right there for each and every single one of us. The whole point of being a Christian is not just going to church, not being a nice person, not having some basic morality. Maybe some of those things follow. The whole point is that we are invited to say yes to God. And in our own lives, to cooperate with the Spirit, so that something would be birthed in us. Christ would be birthed in us. And things would be birthed in us that would give life to others. Whether that birth is for your family, whether that birth is for a friend, whether that's for your church, for your community, for the world. Mary is the first disciple of Jesus. She first said yes. She first said yes to Christ being birthed in her so that life would be given to the world. Brooklyn. Is she not a type of gateway like we talked about in last week's sermon? She is a gateway. Yes, she is a gateway to the depths of the Christian faith. And she is the pattern of discipleship, of serious Christianity. So your homework spiritually is to think about this. Oh, one thing before the homework. How many of you have been baptized? Our baptism is our annunciation. As Mary received the announcement from the angel and said yes to God and this invitation to birth something, when we are baptized, or later on in our lives, when we confirm our baptism, we are saying, yes, God, I have heard your message. I will say yes, and I will allow something to be birthed in my life for the world. So the homework is, how are you doing that? In your own devotional life, your prayer life, how are you cooperating with the Spirit to bring something into the world that will bless others? It could just be one person. It could be your family. How are you doing that in your marriage? How are you doing that in your family life? How are you doing that with your friends? How are you doing that in your professional life? This is also a good question for churches. No, no, we don't just exist here to care about each other and do all that. That's fine. and have our own worship service. That's lovely. What are we doing as St. John's or whatever congregation you're normally a part of what are we doing to cooperate with the Spirit to birth something in our church that will give life to others? Others beyond our doors. So, back to the crucifixion. And back to those verses from 26 and 27. John chapter 19. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, it's one of John's nicknames, standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son! And then he said to his disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. So my question for you is pretty straightforward. Have you taken Mary into your own home? Have you taken into your own heart? Have you taken her into your life of faith? And even if you're uncertain or have concerns about some parts of Marian devotion... We all can learn from her example as the first disciple, the first Christian, the first to say yes to Jesus, and to say yes to birthing Christ into the world. That's the invitation that you receive every time we're here, every time we approach the altar. Will you say yes? Mary did. Amen.